It is a 24-hour flight followed by an eight-hour wait. Why was this so important to you? Well, it seemed like a good idea at the time, Cobra, but it turns out <laughs> the queue is actually quite long. Uh, I'm at, at the moment, I'm uh, under Millennium Bridge. Of course, the question most often asked is, how long have we got uh, before we get there? That was Tova O'Brien of Today FM last Monday morning talking to her own boss at the network, Dallas Gurney, who flew to London at almost the last minute to line up with thousands of others queuing up to see QE2 lying in state after a hell of a wait. I have it on good authority. We've got seven bridges to go. But I think, you know, for me, it, people have laughed and said kind of people at work, you know, my boss Cam, he's kind of gone, oh, you're a moniker. And I guess I am. I guess I am, but it's also just, you know, about being part of history, and I'm, I've been lucky enough to be at, um, you know, events, you know, global events that you'll never forget, and I think this is one of them, and it was too good an opportunity to miss. And the next time anyone else at the network wants time off for a funeral, it'll be pretty hard for the news boss to say no. But while Dallas Gurney and fellow queuers were waiting, plenty of people back home were also asking, are we there yet, with the mourning period already into its second week and the funeral still more than 24 hours away at that point. And the media, television especially, were not exactly taking the less-is-more approach in filling the gap. And amongst the corgi chaos came the Dorgie, an accidental breed conceived by Princess Margaret's amorous Dachshund. All this royal breeding single-handedly created a mass market for the cute corgi, which ebbed and flowed through the decades. Plus, this is no ordinary blanket. How keeping the Queen's knees warm was just the beginning of its adventures. The details in just a moment. It was TVNZ's Seven Sharp show last Monday, while News Hub Nation last weekend offered this. One person who has many royal opinions is British author Lord Geoffrey Archer. Patrick Gower spoke to Lord Archer in London and asked him how well he knew the Queen. Well, not that well, according to an interview that Geoffrey Archer gave London's Evening Standard last weekend, in which he said that he only met her three times over several decades in politics, making his views not all that relevant, especially on the lasting links between New Zealand and post-Brexit UK, as Geoffrey Archer himself acknowledged. Any New Zealander watching this has the right to say, Geoffrey, it's nothing to do with you, mind your own business, we'll decide. Well put. Geoffrey Archer sits in the House of Lords and he writes novels that sell, but he hasn't been taken seriously in the UK since he was jailed for perjury 20 years ago for lying in a libel case against a newspaper. Now, by the time that aired, Today FM's Tova O'Brien had already been in the UK for more than a week, and unlike her queuing boss, she'd already seen the Queen lying in state, an experience she described like this. When you first step into Westminster Hall, the silence crashes into you like a kind of sonic boom. It's incredible. I don't even want to breathe, let alone allow my black high-heeled foot fall too heavily. The media comes through in shifts every hour. Another delegation welcome to observe, to be a witness, take notes, no recordings, but to know and understand what's happening here to be able to accurately report and document it. But not breathing would be a bit above and beyond the call of duty, though Toba O'Brien was conscious that for her there was no queuing up necessary to witness all that. The media delegation I was with was led up into a tiered holding pen at the exit of the hall, at the opposite end from where people who have been queuing, some for 25 hours, are filing into the space. I am very, very aware of the privilege of my role and the job that I am here to do. 
Now, the media, of course, need such access to do their jobs properly, and they're not usually so grateful for it. But in the UK, the media were also praising those who were offered the fast track but turned it down, such as Sir David Beckham, discovered in line by Sky News UK during its live coverage. Sorry? Uh, I think it's emotional for, um, for everybody involved. And the former footballer wasn't the only celebrity lining up with the great unwashed, as entertainment reporter Peter Ford told Australia's Channel 9. Uh, the very acclaimed Oscar-winning actress Tilda Swinton, again, she lined up. She wasn't asking to get in before anybody else. And just in the last few hours, we've seen James Blunt. And, of course, James Blunt probably could have got a VIP access because he was in the Royal Household Cavalry working for the Queen for many years. But he lined up with his wife and went in there just like real people. So full marks to them. Oh. Yeah, wow. Well but the media were also making some pretty sour stories out of VIPs, including other media figures, deemed to have jumped the queue, such as Philip Schofield, the morning TV host in the UK, who cut his teeth here on the TV2 music show Shazam back in the 1980s. Now That same day, Tova O'Brien also asked Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, who also got VIP access, would she have lined up for more than half a day otherwise? I think I would, you know, uh, and I think I, I would in part as a way of acknowledging the moment in time as well as the person. And you get the sense that for, for many it's a, as much about, you know, when they bring their children for them to acknowledge and uh, have an understanding of what a truly remarkable person she was, but to also be a part of that history. There's been some backlash against the media and MPs for getting the access that they do to the Lions State, not having to, to wait. Do you think that, that that criticism is valid? Oh, I was uh, very aware, I think, of the privileged position we had. I believe that most will be very aware uh, of how lucky they are. Now, the Prime Minister's claim that she'd have queued up like Beckham led the Today FM news in the following hour, even though, as we've heard, media and VIPs alike who didn't have to queue were at pains to tell people we do know how lucky we are, mate. Now, also among those with a media profile here who made a late trek to London to line up for the funeral was funeral director Francis Tippany, the star of reality show The Casketeers, who wrote a letter offering the new king his professional services and published it on social media for all to see, including the news media. And last week, he told News Talk ZB's Heather Duplessy-Allen he knew that it was really a waste of time. You and I both know this email is going to end up in the spam uh, box of the, of, the, <laughs> of the king's office, but, you know, it was just my little private moment. But still, it worked out OK for Francis. The Herald later reported that he'd been invited to the official delegation welcome in London, along with those chosen to represent New Zealand. Good publicity for a guy in the funeral business at the biggest funeral in the world and also in the business of reality TV. Now, incidentally, the makeup of our official delegation for this auspicious occasion passed almost without comment in our media. Though ZB's Heather Duplessy-Ellen did point out on air they had already all been honoured by the Queen with titles, whereas Australia's crew included 10 so-called everyday citizens, including a racehorse trainer and a wheelchair tennis champion. Now, on Thursday last week, when the queues and the crowds were still forming, RNZ's Kim Hill asked Corin Dan in London this question. It's all quite mad, isn't it, Corin? You know, the whole, the busbies and the ceremony and the marching and the... It's all, when you step back, quite bonkers, but engrossing. It is. I have to agree in the sense it's just such an, an extraordinary amount of energy and effort and organisation. 
And for all the attention given to that, it wasn't exactly unprecedented. People have gathered in big numbers before for royal funerals, royal weddings and jubilees in the UK. And they also made the point on Morning Report that all this was happening against a backdrop of serious problems in the UK, for example, energy shortages and revolving door leadership of the government. Though for the time being, everything else had been squeezed out of the news there. And here in New Zealand, although in the hours before the funeral, the most viewed story on TVNZ's One News Now website was about Ed Sheeran's cancelled gig in the capital, while Stuff's most viewed story was one about Sam Uffendale. Now, indeed, the National Party was accused of trying to bury awkward news by releasing the results of its investigation into the Tauranga MP on that day. And in faraway London, Tova O'Brien didn't approve. I thought that the National Party's release of the findings on the day of the Queen's funeral absolutely reeked. Media Watch's Hayden Donnell took a look at that and other things that didn't make much news while the focus was on the Queen's funeral in this week's Midweek Media Watch. That's on our page of the RNZ website or our section of the RNZ app if you missed it, or you'll find it in our podcast feed. But while the Queen's coronation 70 years ago was one of the first big TV events, her state funeral this week was estimated to be the most watched TV and multimedia event the world's ever seen. And it would have been a once-in-a-lifetime spectacle for many, as the host broadcaster reminded viewers frequently. The arrangements for this state funeral on a scale not seen in Britain for 70 years, since the funeral procession to King George VI in 1952. More than 3,000 military personnel taking part, along with representatives of civilian organisations. But around the world, some media were asking the question, just why were so many people so engaged and so emotional, including journalists, about what was in the end a lengthy Anglican church service bookended by slow-moving and mostly military parades? Well, media coverage, of course, was part of the answer, and when Tova O'Brien asked US-based Gail Stever how come an essentially aloof elite figure came across as so relatable to so many people, the author of The Psychology of Celebrity said simply, it's because she was so famous. I don't know what it's like there in New Zealand, but here in, in the United States, I don't know the people in my neighborhood all that well. I probably know more about Queen Elizabeth than I know about the people who <laughs> live next door here. And to work out whether New Zealanders who never met the Queen were really grieving for her, TBNZ turned to a human behaviour specialist, Hayden Brown, who said some people here would respond to the Queen's death intensely, because unlike, say, a familiar family member, they've only seen the positive aspects of the Queen via the media. Many obviously have followed her life for a long time, um, be it through hearing stories. Um, so grief, first of all, is based um, on our perceptions. And again, mm. they don't um, require us to you know, be best friends with her, um, although that would be great. Um, you know, it, it requires um, a positive perception. On the live stream of the Washington Post, the paper's London correspondent Carla Adams said that not everyone in the UK was wrapped up in a union jack. I think it's probably fair to say that people who are even ambivalent about the Queen in this moment are are still, um, you know, are, are, are saying, you know, are still probably saying that I think that she's done a good job and 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 marking this this moment. Um, but you know there is you know there is a there is a chunk of people who are republicans who um you know who wish that the uk didn't have a monarchy um I, you know, those voices are, are definitely there 
And in the US, Daily Show host Trevor Noah, who grew up in a South Africa dealing with its own complex colonial history, warned against those insisting upon one note of respectful reverence. This is like a, it's a moment in time that reminds them of so much and where the country was and how they were in Kenya, South Africa, you know, parts of Southern Africa. All, you can feel that people, they still understand that it's a momentous occasion, you know, but you can't expect them to mourn it in the same way. And I think that's something we struggle with in life sometimes, is understanding that our relationship with somebody may not be the relationship that other people had with that person. And that's fine. You can say, hey, uh, this is my queen. I still love what she represents. Yeah, that's your queen. But don't expect everybody else to now adopt, because basically what you're doing is now recolonizing the people (laughs) and being like, this is who you support, this is who you cheer for, this is... No. You do your mourning. And they'll live their lives. But that wasn't the way Tova O'Brien saw it back in London last Tuesday when she was wrapping up the funeral that she said was unifying and what the Queen would have wanted. To be watching the state funeral with all these families, rollerbladers, roller skaters, punk rockers, submariners, retired military police, pure cockney greats. People from all over the world, all walks of life, the puffer jackets and active wear totally at home alongside the black suits and feathered hats, the Union Jacks draped over shoulders. These were my people. These are all of our people because they are us. However, shortly after that, she was challenged by former Prime Minister Jim Bolger, who told Tova O'Brien that the spectacle he saw out of London wasn't us at all. The extraordinary pomp and ceremony that the British can put on after centuries and centuries of practice, the total irrelevance of much of it, and uh, really that it wasn't New Zealand. Uh, It was the pomp and ceremony of a different country, community and society, That's why I, uh, of course, believe that New Zealand will move on from a monarchy to uh, have a full democracy and we'll have our own head of state. When the Washington Post posed the question, why is the world so fascinated, it described the Queen herself as a TV show that the whole family could agree to watch. And on the BBC television coverage of the funeral, the star of a TV show of which the Queen was apparently a fan back in the day, said this... One of the things that is most, um, I think, stunning is that in this world where self is and I am here and, yes, I put my mark on this and it's all about me being involved, there is this pilgrimage that has been going through, paying respects, and there is not a mobile in sight. It is absolutely in the moment. That was Felicity Kendall, the star of the sitcom The Good Life, back in the 1970s. And while it isn't quite true that the people in the crowds in London were keeping their mobiles in their pockets at all times, it did seem as though most people there did want to be in that moment, rather than constantly creating content out of it. And possibly that's out of a heightened sense of respect, as Felicity Kendall seemed to think, or possibly because they knew the mainstream media had it covered wall to wall.